Hi, I'm Ann DeLisi. Welcome to Episode 9 of Essential Conversations. You're about to hear my conversation with Jax Anderson, Detroit's dynamic lead singer and songwriter. We sat down in front of an audience at Willis Show Bar in Detroit to talk about her making her own instruments as a kid, her comfort with performing in front of an audience, and how her band Flint Eastwood came to be. The first thing I want to talk about with you is I do want to go back to when you were a kid. And you and I have talked about this before because your childhood is fascinating to me and it really informed who you became as an artist. So talk about what life was like when you were growing up as a kid. Yeah, um, I, come, I come from a very musical family. Uh, my, my parents met because my dad was a part of like a traveling choir. And so uh, they met in the church and like, I, I grew up in a very religious household and I actually wasn't allowed to listen to music that wasn't Christian music until I was like 15. And so the fact that I became uh, an artist, like a, like a very queer artist, is like a very like, whoa, what the fuck kind of thing. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I grew up around a lot of music, grew up, uh, I was a very rambunctious kid, and uh, here I am today. You guys made your own instruments at one point, right? Kind of oh, stuff. We were, I was always Because you, you couldn't watch, there was no TV, no, no, right? No, yeah, we didn't have cable or, or, or internet when I was growing up. And so like, I just had to figure out ways to entertain myself. <laughs> And so I would just, I would create anything at any point. It didn't matter what it was. If I was bored, I would just figure out how to do it kind of deal. So I talked to different singers, and I want to talk about your singing first before your writing. And some singers say, I was always singing, and it was just part of who I was. And then there's other singers who say, it kind of hit them one day. Like, oh, I could actually do this. How did the, the notion of singing come to you? Was it part of who you were as far back as you can remember? Oh, man, not, not at all. Like, really? For me, for me uh, again, very musical family. My dad's one of ten kids. All of them can sing and play guitar. And me and my brothers were always known as the kids in the family that couldn't sing. Like, whenever I was a kid, <laughs> like, that's just, like, because I was never formally trained or, like, I don't know, maybe I was toned up when I was a kid. I don't know. Um, but uh, that being said, dreams are possible. And uh, <laughs> chase them. Um, but yeah, I think, I think just over time, uh, you know, we didn't, since we didn't have cable, my dad left out an acoustic guitar all the time. And so I would, uh, play acoustic guitar doing like commercials of like that 70s show reruns. Cause that was the only option that I had. <laughs> um, and so it was just that thing where it just evolved over time and I felt like I had something to say. And so I would just jot down stuff all the time in school and eventually it led to songs and eventually I wanted to be like my brother who was in a punk band at the time and I was like, I can do that, yeah, message. Uh, and so it just evolved into what it is. And then you really could sing. You realized, ah, I, over time, I yeah. got this. Yeah, over time, I got this. Can you read and write music? Uh, read and write, no, barely. I mean, I played flute a little bit. Uh, so I know some theory, but but my my thought has always been know your currency. Yeah. And for me, I, I realized early on that I had a knack for melodies and I had a knack for the lyrics. And so I, I really was intentional about learning how to be a good lyricist and a good melody maker. Well, you're in good company. Paul McCartney can't read or write music either. Dude. <laughs> I mean, you said it, not me. <laughs> you don't really need to be able to do it if you know how to make music. Yeah, you know? it, it, well, music is one of those, I mean, all of art is an amazing thing because it's, it's all about feeling and it's all about going with that feeling. All right, so now you can play, mm -hmm. now you can sing, now you can write. And when did you first start listening to secular music? Do you remember... <laughs> What you started listening to? Was it like you dove right in with Prince or? Oh man, I wish it was that cool. I think, I think, I think somebody showed me like some old school emo music. Yeah. Like emo pop punk, like probably Paramore when I was like 15. 
Because that was like a segue. They were like, we're not a Christian band. We're a band of Christians. And so like I was, <laughs> I like got away with it that way. And then, and then it was just all downhill from there. <laughs> all right. So you finally start singing. And then singing by yourself and playing by yourself is one thing. But then being in a band is a whole nother deal. Mm-hmm. Talk about when you started to be in a band and then how the invention of Flint Eastwood came to be. So when I was uh, in high school, I started a folk band with one of my best friends. Mm-hmm. And so that was my initial like band. And the thing is about Flint Eastwood is like, Flint Eastwood has like been so many renditions that just have never died. They've always just like evolved into something else. Like suddenly um, I was like apple trees and tangerines and I was like, oh, now I'm power. And now I'm Flint Eastwood, fuck it, you know? <laughs> you know, um, somebody was asking about Power. Yeah. Where are you? You were asking about the theme song. Oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. I, yeah, I had a, I had a theme song for a, a lovely show on, on USA Network called COVID Affairs. Uh, and that was a trip, man. That was a trip. That was a wild time. How did they find your song to um, put it in there? It, it, it was just kind of thing where like, Oh my, the, the thing is about music is like the most random connections will happen. So like my brother who I write all of my songs with Seth, uh, he worked for like, like our uncle like worked for a wedding band who like the saxophone player or something like that son was like out in LA that like knew somebody that like could pitch to TV and, and film. And so they somehow got our song and they pitched it and liked it and then they bought it. And then we were able to kind of like jumpstart our career because of that. It's pretty amazing when it's that happens. Really wild, isn't it? Cra- Didn't Victoria's Secret use Queens? Yeah, yeah. Our store, our our, our song. A lot of my songs are like low key in a lot of stores, but a yeah. lot of them like are like unreleased tracks. Yeah. But Queen, yeah, Queen is in Victoria's Secret right now. <laughs> I personally don't even know if I've ever been to that store. <laughs> well, as long as they seems, like your music. Seems nice though. <laughs> All right. So when Flint Eastwood started, mm-hmm. um, and you had to front a band, mm-hmm. that is a different deal than not being in the front. Yeah. It is a whole different deal because so much falls to you. You carry so much of what happens and what the audience thinks and how they react. Talk about getting comfortable in that space. I think for me, there was never a feeling of discomfort on stage. It was just as soon as I stepped on, it was just immediately like I felt a connection. And I'm, I'm the type of performer that I like to look in at like directly in people's eyeballs. And sometimes <laughs> it can be very uncomfortable, but you know, if you just, if you just like fall into it, it's pretty nice. Um, but yeah, I've always, I've always felt the most comfortable on stage. I've never felt uh, super intimidated about performing because for me music is just one of those things that if I hear any kind of music I'll be moving and so just to go up on stage and move just felt like an extension of what I was already doing. Do you ever get nervous? Uh, sometimes I mean I'm a human being I think I think every human gets nervous but uh, I think it's a healthy amount of nerves. Yeah. Yeah. Is there any particular performance that stands out for you that you will never forget because of the circumstance or, well, good or bad, I guess, because of the circumstance or the performance that you turned in? Yeah. I mean, do you want a good or a bad one? I would like both. Both? Okay. We'll start with the good. Um, I think the most memorable performance, we we did a show a while back uh, for the release of my uh, third EP, 
broke royalty at, uh, it was in the lobby of the Fisher building. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, it was a great time. Some of you were there. That's fantastic. <laughs> Hello, this side of the room. How you guys doing? <laughs> fantastic. Um, but it was great. It was, it was uh, I'm the type that, like, everyone around me knows and works with me knows that I'll just, like, throw out a lot of ideas. But if I repeat ideas, it's like, it's, I'm really thinking about it. And, like, it's going to happen. And so uh, I, came, I came up with the idea of just, like, we needed, I, I wanted this to be a very regal space. And I wanted it to be something that uh, brought in the community. And was, we were able to showcase a lot of young artists. And uh, I don't know if you guys have been to the Fisher Building, but it is so gorgeous. It is so beautiful. And we were able to pack it out. And that was just one of the most memorable successes that we've ever had as the That was the first time they did anything like that. It was, yeah. Mm -hmm. And I I don't know if they're doing anything else like that anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Um, My, my most, my most memorable, I'll I'll call it a learning lesson. My my, my most memorable lesson was in Tempe, Arizona. When I was like 20 years old, we opened for (laughs) T-Pain. And at the time, I had a shaved head, so you can tell how long ago that was. <laughs> and I stepped on the stage, and because I was not T-Pain, they started booing <laughs> and booed my entire set. The whole but thing? The whole thing, the whole thing. And I don't know if any of you have ever been booed, <laughs> but at first... It's like, a, it, there are like multiple stages that exist. There's just like the, whoa, like, is this happening? And then there's like the, whoa, this is happening. And then there's like a weird freedom that happens that's just like, I have literally nothing to lose. And so then you have the most fun that you've ever had in your entire life. And it was amazing because afterwards, like, the promoter felt really, really bad. So he just kept, like, bringing bottles to us of, like, different types of alcohol. And I've never been, the like, one to go really crazy. And so after, like, the fifth bottle, I was like, God, dude, like, it's not that bad. Like, you're forgiven. It's okay. It, I wasn't T-Pain. I'm sorry. Did you at any point say, I'm just going to walk off the stage? Oh, no. No. no I way. did my entire oh, set. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, listen, bros. I'm here and I'm staying. (laughs) (laughs) That is such a great story. So who have you been on stage with? Like you have had the opportunity. You were on with Chance the Rapper, I do recall. Talk about that. That was, man, that was a very surreal moment. Um, It was, we played Bonnaroo a couple summers back and they do this. Yeah, Bonnaroo. Oh, so great. So hot. So hot at Bonnaroo, but it's the lineup. The lineup is amazing always. Um, So we played Bonnaroo, and they do this thing called a Super Jam, where they get a bunch of different musicians that are playing the festival, and they uh, get together and they do different covers. Um, And Chance the Rapper was doing a cover of Hey Ya, and so earlier the day, like you practice the day before, or the day of, the day before, I don't know, days, they mix. Um, you practice beforehand and then later that night you play. And so I was just like, happened to be in the room when he was, he, he was like two bands after I rehearsed my song. And so I was around and he was just kind of there and he was like, and it was, uh, it was Flynn Eastwood. It was all of you or just you? It was just me. So it was Flynn, just you. Flynn Eastwood is just me. It was just you. These days. Yeah. yeah it's just um, you. Okay. And so 
I was just, I happened to be there and he was like, hey, this is Hey Ya by Outkast. I need some background singers. And so like me and this band named Joseph were there and like Joseph practiced with them. And then when the time came, he was like, I need more girls. And I was like, I'm a girl, let's go. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, it was, it was really, it was really interesting seeing an artist like him um, who is an artist of his stature that could easily have been very egotistical and very demanding and be just so humble and so appreciative of every single person that, that was in the room. Like he took time to say hello to everyone and it was, it was really inspiring, it was really cool. The photos, I don't know if they're still on your Instagram account, but the photos were great from, yeah. from that performance. Yeah. It, was, it was, I remember seeing it going, what? <laughs> it's awesome, awesome, it was a wild awesome. Time. So now that we're talking about other artists, so the last mm -hmm. time you and I, I don't know if it was the last time, I think it was a time before that, I asked you uh, who you would want to work with, and you said Jack White. Yeah, still. And Still? Yeah. Who else? We, you know what? We should make that happen, you guys. I'm down. The, the, power, I'm down. the power of Detroiters. It's thick. Let's go. Let's put it in the universe right now. Jack White? Jack White Come on and over. Jack Sanderson. No, I'm, I'm very down. I've always, I've always respected everything. What do you like about him? Um, I think he's an all-encompassing artist. I think he's taken control of his career and has, has always owned it and has always uh, had a very consistent uh, message and voice, but changes it frequently. Like, he, he, you never really know what to expect. And it's super inspiring. I think it's, I think it's he's very much a Detroit artist. Like, he, he did whatever the fuck he wanted to do and made it work. Like, yep. that's amazing. Yep. Well, let's talk about that for a second. Um, you said in there that he had control of his image, control of his work. Talk yeah. about the challenges of doing that in a day and age where everything you say, everything you do mm -hmm. um, can be misinterpreted mm -hmm. and put out there to a million people who yeah. don't know better. Yeah. Um, talk about kind of managing that because you have to be an artist and mm -hmm. you have all these other things and now you have to kind of make sure you have some sort of control over how you're perceived. Yeah, I think... I think, I think with the the concept of controlling your own image, you just have to approach it with thick skin and humility. Like if you're, you know, if if you're being too hard headed to where you won't listen to people and you won't learn, if a bunch of people are being like, "Yo, you're wrong," then it's like, what are you doing? Like, why are you being so cocky? But on the flip side, you also have to know when to stick to your guns and when to not care and really not, not listen to the people in the nosebleeds that like your music is not for them. Um, and, and you know, that's a, that's an ongoing thing that an artist has to go through their entire career is knowing who to listen to and knowing what to stand up for. But for me, I, I have a certain set of values and a certain set of people that I, that I really, really uh, respect and really appreciate that they're in my life. And, I try to listen to them first and then extend from there. Do you have the people in your life that everybody needs that can be honest with you about what's really happening or something you should really pay attention to or, geez, don't wear that, you know, whatever, <laughs> you know, the person that just says, don't do that, don't yeah. go there, don't do these things. Do you have those people in your life? Oh, definitely, definitely. I think every artist should have that, that person or people. Because if not, you're surrounded by yes men, and yes men will only make, lead to just sadness. It's like, I think, I think with with being an artist, it's this weird like, it's just weird. It's just weird. I I, I always say that it's like it's really a strange career. Because what other career do you have that you finish your job and a room full of people clap for you? You know, like imagine writing an email, <laughs> and then just like, oh my God, your dialect was so inspiring. Like, it's just, it's strange, it's strange. And so for me, it's like, you can, you can get in this like 
circle of just like appreciation, which don't get me wrong, I appreciate when pe- when like I can right. my work can inspire people, but it's very easy to get into this realm where just everyone is saying that you're the best and that you you like, you know, whatever, cheering for you constantly. And so if you don't have those people that are honest, which that's my inner circle are the people that are honest with me. I don't want people to only say what I want to hear. I want them to encourage my idea whenever we all agree that it's a good idea mm-hmm. and be down because that's that's the fun of what we're doing. But if they can't be honest with me, then it's like I, you just just I would stop music if I ever if I ever did that because it would just turn into something that wasn't authentic and wasn't real. Coming up next, the conclusion of my conversation with Jax Anderson. At a time when information continues to come at us faster and faster, sometimes you need to hit pause and rewind. NPR's Throughline takes you back in time to the source of the news stories filling your feed. Find NPR's Throughline wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Andalisi with the conclusion of my conversation with Detroit singer and songwriter Jax Anderson. Um, I want to play a clip of a song that I want to talk about. Sean, can you play the first one, please? Arguably, I've listened to a lot of music in my day, arguably one of the most beautiful songs I've ever heard. Um, What were you thinking when you wrote that song? What was going on with you? For me, well, I wrote it with uh, another- Josh Smith? Yeah, Josh Smith. So he goes by the name Yoshi Flower now, Mm -hmm. which, oh my God, he's doing great. He just signed an Interscope, like he's doing a great job. Yeah, he's on his way. Yeah. But yeah, I was writing it with him and we we're, we're, man, that song was written a long time ago, Ann. Hold on a second. I think for me, looking back, I think for me, it's, it was it was more so like you can be. I was I was thinking I was under the, the mindset of like you could be your own savior if you wanted to, like just by like changing your mindset and changing like your perspective on things. I think Josh probably had like a like a way more like sexualized like <laughs> idea behind his verse, but like that's just that's his vibe. Um, for me though, it was it was just like. It was just a, the concept of like, yeah, you, you can be your own savior if you really wanted to. Yep. Okay, now uh, we're going to get to um, some of the heavy stuff with you in the last year. Okay. So uh, Jax uh, came out last year. Was it last year? Publicly in my Publicly heart. Publicly yeah. in your heart. Okay. And so she released a song. And she came and we talked about it. Mm-hmm. And we had a very, very frank conversation about what that experience was like. And it was triggered by um, an incident with your church. Mm-hmm. And so first, I want you guys to hear this song. So this is about 30 seconds of it. It was like a love anthem. This is a song that would make you run out of your house and hug the first person you saw. <laughs> I thought this is like the song that everybody should be cheering to. It was like for me, it was a song of the summer. Um, So I want you to hear this, and then we're going to talk about everything surrounding why this song came to be. Can I be honest for a minute? Found peace when I lost religion. Found love when I thought I couldn't. 
found love, real love. Found home in the arms of a woman. Joy without superstition. Stop asking their permission. Found love, real love. Get it so you can hear the whole damn thing because it's so amazing. So that's just a little taste of it. But I want, um, I think that anytime you talk about this, somebody is affected in a very positive way. Like I think this message needs to be out there. So I want you to talk about what brought you to write that song. So as I mentioned earlier, I grew up in a very religious household. Uh, it's where I, I learned how to, uh, you know, do photo, do film. It's where I learned how to be a creative. It's where I learned how to write music. And so I, I worked for a church there for a hot second uh, doing, like, their, their like, content. It was like a mega church kind of situation. And so I left the church, uh, went and did the music thing. And then earlier in 2018, they decided to host uh, a workshop for girls age 11 through 13 that were questioning their gender identity and their sexual orientation. And so these, these workshops are basically new, new language for conversion therapy. Uh, and so for me, I was like, you know, there are protests happening, things, things will run out their course, like they'll, whatever. But then the, the pastor that was running it won an award, like from like some DC something. Um, and I was just like, you know what, I, I can't let this go. Like this is, this is something that's, that's too close to home to, to not talk about. And so... Uh, I sat down and I, I turned on a mic and I started singing and I, I kind of just let myself process and go through the emotions. And uh, I listened back and I realized that I started like going through the, what's called the fruits of the spirit, which like in Christianity, it's this concept of like, if you follow God, if you follow Christ, you will produce fruits of the spirit, which are love, joy, peace, long suffering, you know, all that stuff. And so I was like, wow, that would be really interesting if I wrote a song about how I got all of those without religion. Because for me, religion was always a very big burden. It was always something that I felt like I had to hide and I felt like I couldn't be myself. And I felt like if I was myself, then it wouldn't be accepted and it wouldn't, wouldn't work. Um, and so I went through and I wanted to tell that other side of the story that these girls aren't hearing, which you can find love, you can find joy, you can find peace by being yourself. And the family that they say that you'll never find, you can 100% find it and you will find it. But the only way you're going to find it is if you're actually like real with yourself and real with the people around you, you know? And so uh, we wrote the song and I released it uh, with Assemble Sound. And it was the first song that we were able to get on the radio. We were able to get it uh, on Australian radio. You know, as you mentioned, I, I hadn't come out as an artist until really that song happened. And so to have a song be my most successful song by being my most self is like, it was just such a crazy moment. And you fell in love. What's that? And you fell in love. I did. And that was big love. Yes. Was. Was. We're <laughs> going to get to another song, actually. <laughs> The other part that we're going to get to. Every relationship's the same, guys. Whether it's gay or straight, you go through it, you know? <laughs> the thing about it, so all of us fall in love and a few people know. You fall in love and write about it, a lot of people know. Yeah. How does it feel to have that very private part of your life so out there? It, it's interesting because this, this last release was the first time that I've ever really talked about a relationship. Mm -hmm. It's the first time I ever written about love. I, I usually write about other like more thrill concepts, I guess. Um, and so it, 
it was very strange to write a record that was showing this like the sad part of of love because it was it was basically it was a heartbreak record because it was it's, it is what it what it was I I went through a heartbreak and I just you're right about what's happening in your life you know uh, the name of it is this is a coping mechanism for a broken heart's perfect title <laughs> I want to play a little clip of one of the songs from it Sean can you play that please. You're playing with fire You're gonna get burned You're gonna get burned It's so hot but you never learn You're playing with fire You're gonna get burned You're gonna get burned It's so hot but you never learn You never learn Got lost in the smoke Caught up in that feeling We played for a spot how long did it take to write that album? Uh, I wrote that that the entire piece within a 24-hour period. The whole thing? Mm -hmm. Well, we went, like, we would go back. There are features on it. So, like, the mm -hmm. features we would, like, refine. And we, but, like, the generalized concept where you could, like, listen to the demo and be like, this is definitely the same song. It was all in one day. When you listen back to it, are you shocked that you were able to produce that kind of creativity in such a short amount of time? Well, I think, I think it was, it was something that like, there was just like a lot of stuff happened in that year. And I, it was the first time that I'd really gone on tour for a really long time. Mm -hmm. And so it was the mo it was with written within the two weeks that I got back from like being on tour basically that entire year. So it was the first time that I got to process emotions. So looking back, it's like, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna write that many songs in a day just because it was just, there was, there were just so many emotions that just needed to get out at that time. It's brilliant, you guys. You have to check it out. Um, let's talk about touring. Do you like being on the road? I do. Do you? Yeah. Uh, it's, man, it's, I, I thoroughly enjoy people, and I thoroughly enjoy talking to people and connecting with people. I'm, I'm extremely extroverted. I'm very much a Sagittarius. Um, and so being on tour is just great because it's, it's like this weird community of, like, it's like a weird adult summer camp that just... <laughs> You go all over the world, and it kind of never ends. It's really wild. <laughs> and you're going to Australia, where they clearly love you. Yeah, that's yeah. That's coming up, right? Yeah, that's that. we're going next month. We're going to go through your Twitter feed a little bit. Ooh. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Which we have done in the past. Great. <laughs> okay. This one surprised me. Okay. Starting 2019 with Whitney Houston was a good choice. <laughs> Always a great choice, right? <laughs> I want to dance with somebody. We were playing in Indianapolis. Okay, that was not the song. I don't know what I was expecting you to say, but it wasn't that. <laughs> it not the first song that came to my mind. But it is a very happy song. Yeah, we were playing in Indianapolis, and uh, it, that's the song we chose for. Like they, they let us choose the like the what's going to play at midnight. And we're like, dance with somebody. Let's go. <laughs> Have you ever sang that live? No. Like now? Mm, no. no. I would. I would never do that to one of these. Like. She is way, nah, nah. There's just some artists you don't touch. Whitney Houston, too good. Let's talk about vocalists that have inspired you. I know yeah. it's a cliche question, but given that we're talking about Whitney Houston, let's talk about mm -hmm. some vocalists in particular that you love. Um, I really love, I would say my like, favorite vocalists in general. There's an artist named Anne Margaret. Mm -hmm. That's like an older artist. And she oh, just, yeah. Oh, she just had so much grit. Oh, so much grit. Oh, so good. Yeah. Um, I, I also love like vocalists like Sia. I think uh -huh. I think she has a very unique voice. Um, I, I think anybody who can 
come off as unique and isn't just like conventionally pretty. You could sing with her. That would be cool. It's not flattering me. But it's true. Well, you can sing with anybody. Man, I I love, I love Sia. Totally do that. Okay. Any men, any male vocalists? Um, yeah, a lot of them. Okay, let's get to another one here. <laughs> She's like, moving oh, okay. on. We're moving on. Been sitting on songs for way too long. Time to start releasing some B-sides. How much music? So, how much music do you have saved up here? Uh, we we have hundreds of songs. Hundreds? Mm-hmm. Are you Prince? What are you doing? <laughs> well, it's the kind of thing where like I'll get on these sprints. So I'll just like, well, really, my brother Seth will be like, you need to write more songs, and then we'll tell me that for months, and then I, and then we'll go for like three months of writing like two songs a day. Uh, and then go back to our regularly scheduled, like, oh, we're going to try like one song a day. And sometimes we'll do that for like a week straight. Um, and so over like our entire career, we, we probably have over a thousand songs. And we have, we have a lot. So when you go back and listen to these, are there times when you think to yourself, oh my gosh, this is so good. I forgot how good it is. And then this is so not the way I remember it. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. I think, well, I think for me, um, more times than not, it's, it's, wow, I forgot about this one. We should probably work on this one. Like we did that with Queen. Queen was oh, a yeah. song that I had written like years prior and I forgot about it. And then one of the songwriters that was on it was just like, hey, what about this song? And we're like, oh shit, like this is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Here's something that you said, fear doesn't have to run your world. Why mm-hmm. did you post that or tweet that? Like, uh, a lot of my tweets are just reminders to myself. It's like me talking to myself and then I'm like, ah, maybe somebody else will get something out of this. Uh, and so I think at the time it was just one of those scenarios of I wanted to do something, but it was just this constant fear of like, it's not going to work. People won't like it. Like, you know, the typical insecurities yeah. that people get. Um, and I just think a lot of our world is run on fear. I think a lot of people are very, which is totally understandable because it's like, we won't get into it, but society's little fucked. Let's all be real. Um, uh, but I, I think I think there is you know there's a choice that we make whether or not to fall into that fear because that fear will always be present because we're humans and that's just how we naturally react to things. Um, but yeah, for me, I try not to let fear be the main factor in, in my decision making. Goal for 2019. She's looking at the paper because she <laughs> wants to be prepared for the answer. The goal. She got me. The goal. <laughs> I like this one. I would join you for this. Stand in a full bloom lavender field. Oh, man. Yeah. Why don't we all go do Uh, that? I have tried. That's like like a goal that I've had for years and haven't been able to accomplish because every time I go, it's not in bloom. And I'm like, shit. But if you guys know of any lavender farms on this side of the state, please let me know. Send us a message. All right, so we've been, we've been putting it, we put in our time, believe it or not, um, that I allotted to talk with Jax. I am beyond grateful to Jax for being the first one. I'm honored. You are. My thanks to Jax Anderson for talking with me. The Essential Conversation series is a production of Detroit's public radio station WDET and supported by ELS Studio 3D. If you enjoyed it, I hope you'll listen to other episodes in this series. Production provided by Rowan Nemisto and original music by Brett Lucas. I'm Andalisi. Thanks so much for listening. Mm-hmm.